think that there's something in this. I'd love to be able to recapitalize it. Take it off your hands. Don't shut it down. Okay, take it off your hands. I'll bring a couple of developers who we just met. I'd met a couple of developers who I thought would be really good for the project. Right. And that's, you know, and um, that's how I ended up having these guys sitting in my lounge room running Health <laughs> Engine, like, you know, after we'd acquired it. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about building great startups in sunny West Australia. I'm Charlie Gunningham. And I'm Beth Cornelia. And today we are talking with the co-founder and CEO of Health Engine, the quite incredible Dr. Marcus Tan. He is. He's a real live GP, but mm-hmm. also an online entrepreneur whose business, Health Engine, was inducted into the WA Tech Hall of Fame this year, as well as being the inaugural winner of WA Tech Company of the Year. Yes, an absolutely incredible local business, uh, which uh, is number one in its field nationally. So many learnings here, really, really awesome story. Very, very humble guy, Marcus, as well. But good for him to take out the time to talk with Startup West today. And also thanks to our sponsors, ECU The Link, Think Lab Coworking and BDO Accounting and Finance, and of course, Alika. Thanks, Alika. Anytime. So let's get on with the show and our interview with Dr. Marcus Tan. Welcome to Startup West, Marcus. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Happy to have you here. Nice to have you. Now, for people who don't know, are you Perth born and raised? Are you from this neck of the woods? Um, I'm, I'm not. Actually, I was born in Malaysia, KL, right. and uh, moved to Australia when the one of the mining booms happened and moved to Perth in about 1980. So I was right. uh, about six, seven, around that age. Okay. So you don't remember much of KL or growing up we there? We go there quite a bit. I have right. family there, but I uh, grew up in, in, in Perth for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so were you a, a high flyer at school? Were you, you know, did you always have that kind of leadership and entrepreneurial spirit in you, even from those early days? Um, not not entrepreneurial spirit. I think um, that that's <laughs> probably later. that certainly came later. But uh, the high flyer stuff. I wouldn't say high flyer. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I did take. I had a couple of leadership positions. I was student senator. You know, did some mm. house prefect sort of stuff, but nothing. You know, you know. which school are you talking about? Um, Christchurch. Yeah. So that was um, my high school. Um, had it, went to the local Catholic school in Dinella, mm-hmm. when I where I grew up. Um, but um, then we moved to City Beach, and Christchurch was uh, where I ended up going. And uh, and was a good school. were you going towards a sort of career in being a doctor? Is that always something you saw, or something your parents wanted for you, or, or what? How did that come about? Oh, look, <clears throat> I think um, like most kids, um, you know, when you're 17, you don't really know what you want to do. Right. I think my parents, um, you know, my parents uh, are sort of middle class, professional, sort of, you know, engineering, nursing, housewife-ish sort right. of. Um, and, you know, I think like most Asian parents really want the best for their kids and invested quite a lot in our education um, and really said, look, you know, do as best you can at school so that you can uh, get into whatever course you wanted to. And uh, by the way, medicine's probably not a bad profession to be in. <laughs> Lawyer, doctor, yeah, you know, Asian, Asian parents. It was, you know. a, it was a strong was recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Brothers and sisters? I've got a younger brother who, yeah. who funnily also happens to be a CFO in a tech company as well. Oh, so, there yeah. you go. Well, there you go. So are you still a practicing GP or... I, I am. I, I, I went into a special interest in skin cancer very early on in my um, GP career. Um, and set up quite a few skin cancer clinics back in the day. And um, so 15 years ago, I set up a clinic just down the road from Alika here oh, wow. and um, and still work there sort of a session a, a week on a Saturday morning. So that's the entrepreneurial person coming out, setting up clinics. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, that, that triggered off a, you know, an investment in business education. So, you know, when, when I was, um, when, I, when I sort of looked to set up these clinics, I was the medical director, I was there to hire doctors and set up clinics. 
I was thinking, gee, you know, like I don't really know that much about business. I've read a lot of books. I was interested. My wife's a banker, mm. you know, and uh, my brother's an accountant and so on. So, you know, I thought, oh, geez, I'm, I'm interested in business, but I just don't know that much about it. So I did an MBA um, right. in um, uh, an executive MBA in 2001, finished in 2005. Um, was it UWA Medical School? What, going back a bit, was that the path after Christchurch? Yes. So, so yes. I went straight to med school at, at UWA yeah. and that was uh, um, a great uni. To go to. Yeah. Um, I went the, there as well. Did my MBA there. Yeah. Um, but I didn't do my MBA there. You did it at AGSA? I did at the Australian Graduate School of Management. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you finished your MBA in 2005. Hmm. How long after that did Health Engine come into being? Not long at all, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting that the Health Engine story, some people may not be aware that I didn't actually start the original directory that was Health Engine directory. Mm -hmm. So where, where I guess Health Engine started was, um, or at least my journey into the whole tech thing was that in 2006, I, you know, I was sitting there in my in my clinic, and um, part of the job of a GP is to actually look for specialists sometimes to refer patients to when you can't kind of deal with the issues yourself. And we were still using paper-based directories at the time to find doctors, to find specialists yep. to refer to. And I thought, you know, this is a crazy thing called the internet. You know, why yeah. shouldn't we be using this? You know, because paper paper's always obsolete by the time it gets printed, especially yep. in directories. And um, one of the things that I wanted to do was to solve effectively my own problem. Yes. to find doctors and I said look let's see if we can get a specialist directory online so I found a friend who was also interested who's also another GP who wanted to do it and we um, set about doing that um, and that um, project went for about two years and wow. you know what, we got a little bit called? it was called Medlink actually Medlink okay. yep 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 right. and, not uh, Medlink Medlink not Med yeah Medlink okay and uh and uh, it went for about two years without getting a lot of traction. So meanwhile, Mike Cadogan, who I know from rugby, right, because he ended up being, I think, the doctor for the Western Force and even Australian. That's right. He was he was a, he was a team doctor for the Wallabies. Wallabies, yep. yeah, yeah. He had started Health Engine, right, which was also right. spreadsheets independently of you. Correct. So right? almost so completely serendipitously, yeah. and I didn't find this out until much later. He and another group of emergency doctors, so he was working at Charles Gardner Hospital at the time, he was um, um, working on a very similar project to us, so getting specialists. He saw the problem too, He yeah? saw the same problem because, yeah. you know, emergency doctors like GPs have to also refer to specialists. Yep. And so it's crazy that we don't have an online resource for this. Yep. And so he set about creating the directory, which was called Health Engine. And um, um, I guess, you know, we ran this parallel track without even really recognising um, that each each other were doing this, yeah. and, but recognizing how hard it was. <laughs> Did you know of each other? Were you both online no. businesses? Not not really. Startups? No, no, no. Funnily, I mean, you know, Perth is such a small place, and medical, you know, being even smaller again. Yes. You'd think that we kind of, you know, we'd bump into each other, but we didn't really. Right. And so, I guess, you know, where the where the story sort of converges a little bit is that. Um, Whilst I was, you know, running clinics and that sort of thing, I, I'd, I'd sort of taken a, a fairly strong interest in investing, right? Not necessarily running businesses, but investing, you know, just generally share market, you know, um, yeah. property, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so after two years of running Medlink and not getting anywhere, we ended up shelving the whole project and saying, look, it's too hard, we're not getting anywhere. Um, and I went back to investing. And at that stage, you know, made a reasonable amount of money just investing, but you could, you know, you 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 might remember there was this thing called the GFC in in, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, mm -hmm. that sort yeah. of time. And when you were investing in that market, you could, you you know, you went from being a hero to losing a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And and it started to occur to me that some of these things that we were investing in, I had actually no real control. It was almost like gambling, actually, mm -hmm. in in many ways, especially the stock market at the time. And so I sort of went back to the full first principles of investing and said, hey, look, you know, invest in stuff you understand and invest in stuff that maybe you can add more value to. 
And um, so I said, hey, look, you know, early stage, I can sort of get more. I started, I had an mm. experience, albeit a failed experience of tech, and maybe I can sort of, you know, um, help early stage founders who are wanting to, you know, start yeah. their own health tech. So it kind of made sense. So I started to yeah. run a little sort of angel fund that was into investing in health tech companies. Uh-huh. Any and, that we know of? Um, oh, no, 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 no. There was one good one. It was called Health Engine. Yeah, there was one good one called Health Engine. No, we, we, we did invest in a couple of things, but um, okay. nothing that's really taken off. Right. Um, largely because of focus as well, but I'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah. you know, so we got introduced to, obviously, because we we're investors, we got introduced to the Health Engine guys. To Mike and the guys. <laughs> to Mike and the guys, yeah. right? And they were at that stage three years in, and they'd gotten, you know, significantly further than we did. Not much further, but further. They'd gone one year more than us, yeah. and they were actually looking to shut the thing down because they were also struggling to monetize. Yeah, and they have a day um, job, and they have right? a day job, they're right? You know, they're emergency doctors, yeah. and they were kind of crying their beers, like you know, this is hard. I'm going, <laughs> yeah, you're telling me it was hard, <laughs> like you know, um, and um, you know, I mean, the opportunity cost for doctors, particularly, to actually, you know, they're doing important work. They're also getting paid relatively well, like to go and do their tech startup where they're paid nothing, and you know, it's hard yards. It's you know, it's not surprisingly, you know, a, a, you know, a, a tough. Gig. But um, anyway, you know, I said to them, look, you know, you've done a fantastic job. Love what you've done. Um, you've managed to get a lot further than we managed to get. Um, I think that I've got another crack at this. I think that there's something in this. I'd love to be able to recapitalize it. Take it off your hands. Don't shut it down. Okay, take it off your hands. I'll bring a couple of developers. We just met. I'd met a couple of developers who I thought would be really good for the project. Right. And that's, you know, and um, that's how I ended up having these guys sitting in my lounge room running <laughs> Health Engine, like, you know, wow. after we'd acquired. So you, had, you bought so them out 100%. In- yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, more or less. Well, so what what happened was that they effectively gave me full control of it. Mm-hmm. I gave. I, I left them with a. I left them with a stake. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a, a relatively small stake, but still a, a you know a stake in the business, mm-hmm. um, which gave, gave them enough incentive to want to stay involved and you know and and be uh, um, advisors, I guess, to the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but gave them the opportunity to step out and allow somebody else to maybe execute on the plan. And 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 that's um, I guess you know the, the the founding story of Health Engine, how I got involved. So you're working yeah. out of your lounge room with what two developers? Mm. How long did that last before? Uh, before my wife got annoyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not very long. Uh, it, it, was, it was around about a year or so. Um, wow. So, so what ended up happening was that um, uh, so this is around two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. um, late two thousand nine, that, that we ended up acquiring Health Engine. Early two thousand ten was when we sort of substantively took it over. Um, about eight nine months into that journey, I um, got. A, a very cold um, uh, LinkedIn message from my current co-founder um, Adam Yap, mm. um, who you know had just come out of his own consumer health tech company and was just looking to invest in healthcare. Mm. And um, I was the only person. You know, when you typed in "angel investor Perth Health," like you know, I was the, that was the, I was the only one, right? And so, 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 so he said, "Look, you know, I don't, uh, you don't know me, and you know, and so on." It turns out he went to Christchurch as well, but about five years before before me. And so I never saw him at school, never met him, so I didn't know who he was. But he reached out and said, look, you know, I'm interested. And I said, look, I'm working on this little thing called Health Engine. If you're interested, you know, come and see what it's like. And he basically worked in it for free, like like I was working for free, yeah. just to check it out. And, and, and he liked what he saw and, and he put some money in and, and um, he took it from there. But he was, you know, a, a big part of the, the, the significant growth that we saw. Yeah. Um, you know, after uh, after he joined, um, and it wasn't that long after that that we ended up at the Leaker. Funnily, yeah. in the first in the in the office that um, up yes, the road, yes, our yeah. old office. That's so yeah, right. funny little um, convergence there. That's yeah, right. That's all right. used to work together. How Absolutely. crazy is that? Absolutely. Yeah, it was sharing office space. Yeah, or? so the first ah. office that Health Engine took was in the same office that Alika uh, worked out of. Ah. We we actually sublet the front From the front office at Alika before they had even moved in, so they were renovating, <laughs> and we were. My wife was so desperate for us to get out. I was saying, right. look. 
can we just move in even before you have? Like, that, so right. we were we were standing we were standing in a place where they didn't have they hadn't erected any of the walls or any of that sort of stuff, and we were just in this little front office. But you were sub we were subletting from them, from even though they moved first. in. Yeah, but yeah. moved in first. Yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious. There you go. That's great. And that's so now we're at a stage where probably I bumped into you the first time, mm. early mm. 2010, 11, 12 ish. Yes. You're now health engine, and I, yeah. I suppose it's now taking more and more of your time. You've got Adam in as well. Yep. You've okay. got some team. You've got an office space mm-hmm. yep. in Subiaco, yep. Silicon Subi, as mm-hmm. it's known. Um, you're doing less of the of your GP work, yep. presumably. Yep. Uh, and then the first, I think where I met you was September 2012, the first startup weekend at Space Cubed. And that's probably when the sort of local startup scene developed from about that time? Yeah, I was I was kind of reviewing um, emails actually that went back that far and, and, and it's really interesting to see because, you know, um, it, actually my, my memory of it is a little bit blurry from, from back then but, um, you know, as I was saying to you, what, what had happened was that I'd, um, you know, gotten into the investing space. Yep. Um, you know, I was technically not meant to be running a tech startup. I was meant to be investing in a tech startup. Right. You accidentally um, ended up yeah. on the other side. So, so I would say that I'm a accidental CEO, tech startup mm-hmm. CEO if you like. Um, but actually, after the MBA, I did set up a, um, a management consultancy. So I was doing quite a lot of um, um, consulting as well, and you know, um, that was that was part of my my, my day gig wow. with with you know working at the clinic, and I was sat, sat on a few boards, and, and, yep. and you know, so it was a bit of a matrix or composite career. Um, and part of my management consulting thing gave me exposure to you know sort of consulting for. Um, for instance, you know, I had a, a company out of Oxford who spun out a, a, a technology that was meant to be a blood test for melanoma, a, you know, skin cancer, and they were wanting to commercialise it, and, you know, in Australia, who are, you know, we're the skin cancer capital of the world, mm-hmm. and um, and so they you know, somehow found me, and I was helping them do that, and I ended up working in an environment where you know I was meeting with commercialisation consultants, and you know, Curtin University came along, and yep. you know, Rowan McDougall, who yes. um, who you know. Um, you know, had just started at Curtin and, you know, yeah. was finding his feet around, you know, innovation in, this, in the WA scene. So we were all kind of kicking around looking for things. And um, Larry Lopez was also working with Curtin to, you know, bring people like Bill Ty and so on to, yep. the, to the scene. And we, um, I guess, were saying, look, you know, there's this startup scene that's kind of, you know, tech startups are this burgeoning thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need more education of founders and, and, and so on and so forth. Quite by coincidence, there was another group that came out of Melbourne um, uh, you may or may not remember uh, Stu Richardson and um, Darcy Norton, who were the oh, yeah. um, York Butter Factory guys, yeah. and they started a angel um, investor, yeah. seri- you know, inv- angel investor dinner series called Aurelius Digital, who right. they were looking to bring to Perth. And Darcy's a Perth boy, right. so so they were looking to you know tap into a startup scene and said, "Oh, look, there aren't any events here." And the two things they were running was Aurelius Digital and Startup Weekend. Yes. And Startup Weekend was this you know accelerated program or you know sort of education program to give people yep. a sense of what it's like to work in a startup over a yep. 54 hour, you know, thing. frenzy weekend. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was a hackathon, right. And, yep. and no one hackathon, no one ever heard of yep. this concept. First one. Yep. Right. And so they approached us in 2011 and I remember sitting in the old, you know, those old Alika offices, yeah. seeing them in the boardroom yeah. and they were just talking about this idea that they wanted to bring to Perth. And we said, well, look, who else can we, you know, bring along? And, you know, there was Sam Birmingham who started yes. up the Hive yes. and, and he was like, you know, wanting to, um, you know, sort of um, get more active. And yeah. Brody, and presumably. And, and, and Brody was looking, so I yes. met Brody as well, um, that he was looking to set up um, um, the hub at the time, but renamed to Space, Space Cube, Cube. Yeah. right? And, um, you know, so all these guys who were looking to provide services or education, so that, you know, we sort of crystallized a team and brought it together. And we said, hey, look, we need mentors and we need people. So, Charlie, we asked you to be a mentor <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, and so, you know, we, we sort of cobbled 
cobbled together a group of people who, you know, um, Claire, Claire McGregor, who yeah. was one of your uh, yes. other your, your earlier podcast, um, you know, yeah. uh, speakers. Yeah. You know, all these guys sort of were set to do Startup Weekend. But the problem was we needed a venue and, and Space Cubed was meant to be that venue, but the, but the, the venue, Space Cubed was delayed in its, in its launch. And so it ended up, um, you know, it ended up being 2012, almost a year later. Wow. September 11 was when we started the conversation, but two, uh, almost a year later before the first right. Startup Weekend. And Startup Weekend was kind of, I guess, I would say where's where really by, the tech startup By this time, was you're three years in proper from 2009, yeah. taking yeah. it over from the yeah. other guys. Uh, how, how big are you now? Because this this is about to be a quite a big moment where you take quite a big investment from uh, Telstra, I think, and Seven yes, West Media. That, so that, just prior that, to that, right. how big are you? That, that's right. So when we moved to Alika, we were a team of about five. Right. Okay. Um, we moved out of Alika, and um, actually a month before Space Cubed um, started, um, Andrew Larson, who was our first angel yes. investor, who's currently one of our directors. Um, he and I thought, hey, we'll set up a little tech co-working space and we'll be the anchor tenant in that co-working space. So that was where Syncolabs came Syncolab you know, yeah. in. You know, above, above the uh, niche Where's bar. Where's yeah. Lancaster from Instatruck. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's right. Podcast. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Correct. Correct. So, so, you know, so because we said, hey, look, there's no one tech co-working space that's, no, sorry, no one co-working space that was specific to tech. Mm. Yeah, so let's do that. But it was a tiny space. It was low risk. And, you know, mm. so we set it up. Mm-hmm. But at that point, we were when we became half the the, the occupancy. We said, "This is not a <laughs> co-working a space." Yeah, this it's is not yeah. co-working and anymore. that was around about you know fifteen of us, mm. and that was about two thousand thirteen. So when Telstra wow. and Seven came in, they they approached us to invest. Um, we have to admit we're a little bit dubious. I mean, you know, two large corporates wanting to invest in a tiny tech startup, um, often not a great recipe for success. But you know, they, they significant. They, it was five million each, wasn't it? So yeah, it, ended up, it, was, it was a ten point four million dollar round for right. our Series wow. A, and um, you know, we were uh, um, you know wanting to uh, make sure that we. And I think you, know, you were only looking for three, weren't you? At the, at, time? at the time, we were. Yeah. We were raising money, and and you know, as is the uh, you know as I found is the case is that sometimes. Um, if people like what they see, you often end up getting given more money than you really need, and, and sometimes that's a problem actually. But mm. in that case, you know, we, we, it was it was there, and so we, we took it to the. You know, to something and there. since then, you've had some fairly significant, you know, later series, and of course the Sequoia twenty six mil. Um, yeah. So so um, in April two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. so last year, we did take a um, a Series C round that was um, that was led by Sequoia, and and Sequoia's kind of been a revelation. You know, I mean yeah. Sequoia. Um, for, for you know your listeners who don't know, uh, arguably the largest and best venture capital firm in the in the world. In the world, yeah. Um, and um, you know we were very lucky to have been introduced to them. Mm. They like what they saw, and, and you know they've joined. They, they uh, back like Yahoo, Instagram, and these sort of people. Well, actually, the more, more, Sequoia, more, right? their original Sequoia out of um, Silicon Valley. So they have um, three funds: one out of the US, the original fund, yes. um, an India fund, and a China fund. Yes. It was their India fund that actually um, yes. uh, mm-hmm. ended up investing in us. But the original Sequoia um, were actually the original investors in groups like Apple, Google, wow. um, you know, even Airbnb. They picked you know, some good ones. They picked some of the big, you know, sort of superstar um, tech companies. And the Indian one, I think, is they they bought that one. That was an existing fund that they bought and rebadged. Mm, not, not, that, not that I'm no, aware no. of. I'm pretty sure that they actually just set it up. They, they, yeah, okay. they set it up knowing that. Wikipedia page must be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they wanted an independent team to, right. uh, to, to run. How does so. that come about? Sequoia Capital in India investing in little old, well, not so little old, but... You know, we are very isolated. Health engine in Perth. How did that happen? <laughs> it's 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 probably um, again. I think serendipity plays a big part of it, right? So our director. We're now competing a, with a rainstorm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, you know, one, one, um, obviously Telstra Ventures was actually um, one of our cornerstone investors back in yes. 2013. And over that period of time, they've, you know, they've built up quite a, um, a, a range of relationships with other early stage investors and VC and so on, because they've got a, a managing partner in the US as well. In any case, it just so happened that one of our um, directors knew some of the guys at Sequoia Capital right. in India, right? And because India was actually um, also made up of six offices, one of them happened to be in Singapore. Yep. And so it just so happened that Singapore and Perth is actually a very easy five-hour uh-huh. flight to do a quick due diligence visit. Yes. And they liked what they saw. You know, we had lots of calls and, you know, then they came down, they had a chat. They, you know, I think the good sign for us was that when they came down, they had a narrow window to, you know, to speak to us, hop on a plane and go home. Yes. When they said, look, you know, we like the conversation we're having. Um, maybe we'll extend, you know, we'll delay our flight home and, and, and have dinner with you. That was kind of a good sign for us that, hey, sure. things were maybe going well. And, you know. People in Perth, certainly in startups, say there's no money in here, there's no VC, uh, no serious capital, and yet you've raised $50 million yeah. and you've kept it private. You haven't had to go and list on the stock market to do that. I mean, how is that possible? It, it's, it's quite rare. People like Canva moved to, to Sydney, Sydney and, and raised money out of uh, the west coast of uh, the US, but you've managed to do it here. How is that possible? Is that- well, I mean, you know, to be fair, it, not all of the nearly $50 million that we've raised has been all from Perth, right? Mm, so, you right. know, so I've done it having yeah. to leave here. Well, I think, you know, some people um, do recognize that the ability to run a tech startup, most technology companies, you know, can be run you know, mm. from lots of different anyway, places, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, your biggest constraint will be usually access to talent. And so we've been very, very fortunate, I guess, to have, you know, been able to attract some very, very good talent um, from Perth. Yeah. Um, there was a time where we thought, look, you know, if we were to grow even more, we had to take a – we had to hedge a little bit and, and, and put an office in Sydney. So we do have an office in Sydney where, you know, in case we'd had talent, and, and we do actually, two of my executives – um, are actually based in Sydney, for instance, and we've mm-hmm. got a team in Sydney that you know about a thirty strong team in Sydney that are across you know and about hundred in Perth and tech, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred odd in Perth. Yeah. So, so you know that that um, you know that allowed us to stay in Perth, attract the, the best possible talent in Perth, yeah, um, but also you know give us some exposure if we needed to. But you know to go back to your question about you know how do you raise money, I think that at some point um, the story has to start you know, making sense of people where they can see the opportunity and they can yes. see the traction, they can see the, you know. And we haven't know. actually talked about the health engine business. So could yeah. you tell us, you know, it's not just raising money and spending it. So what is the health engine business and, and, and how does it make money and how is it going? Yeah. Um, look, I think, you know, like, like most startups, you know, you go through a series of pivots, right? I mean, originally, what was the idea? The idea was to help me directory. find yeah. specialists, right? Yeah. It was a directory. And and I think that as you go and you get some traction, you start to go. Well, I've got usage, but how do I actually sustain this financially? How do I find a business model that makes this something that you know that um, um, can keep it running, much less return something to investors? Because you know the investors need a return as well. Yeah. Um, and you sometimes have to pivot either your product or you have to pivot your business model. And and I think for us, where we went was we went from being a directory that was a classified, you know, usual sort of sell, um, you know, sort of listings, which is what most directories do, um, to then looking at, well, what else can we do? Because that wasn't enough. That was that was part of the problem, actually, at the beginning. We couldn't find enough people who wanted to pay us enough money for the listings. Yeah. The thing that really transformed our business was that at some point we saw an example of um, a um, group in the US who had actually created a effectively a marketplace for health providers. 
Um, and, you know, we said, oh, you know, that sounds really interesting. And they were being valued at something like $750 million. And I was thinking, hang on, there's something in here. What was the difference? And the difference was they had the ability to do bookings online. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, at that stage, this was 2011, and, you know, we were running out of money pretty quickly. And we were saying, look, you know, we're going to have to pivot the model or the product. What do we need to do? So for us, it was the booking online thing where yeah, that had never that hadn't really been done before. No one was booking. So you, you can know, book a doctor's appointment. Yeah, effectively, right? Yeah. Um, there was no tech, so we had to build a tech to allow people to see appointments to be able to book them. And once we closed that original yes. loop, right? You know, people we didn't know that people was, were going to trust any any site to deliver a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Um, so in and that's that really sense, valuable for the doctor. You know that you you are a doctor. Getting yeah. that lead, getting that booking coming in. That whole lifetime value for that client, even that transaction, could be very valuable. Yeah. Hence, they'll pay for that lead. Well, well, you know, and, and what you know, I mean, let's face it: a directory, when you're paying for a listing on a directory, is a marketing tool for, yeah. for health mm-hmm. pra- practitioners. Mm-hmm. Your biggest problem as a directory is that the attribution of yes. being able to say, "Hey, look, somebody found my practice or my phone mm-hmm. number from this directory versus my letterbox drop that I did," mm-hmm. is very hard. But when you have an online booking system where we yes. gave you that patient, <laughs> you, you, you know, that attribution them. is pretty high. There it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that allowed us to unlock a business model that we couldn't unlock from just having a directory alone. So we end up going from being a directory to effectively a marketplace. Yes. And the two-sided marketplace was, you know, was the thing that, that, that changed our business. I remember hearing you saying this once and describing this uh, at an MBA class is Australia's of a certain size, 25 million, where you get one dominant player. And it's a sort of size where you're rarely going to have two or three vying for that. One's going to kill it and make a lot of money, like realestate.com does in in real estate, like car sales does in cars, like Seekers does does. in employment. And you're going to be – now, how many other verticals are there to dominate? Health bookings is one of them. But – is that correct? That's sort of your, your yeah. I mean, you know, and mantra, and, 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 and actually, if you have a look at our pitch deck, um, that's exactly what we talk about. We talk about the fact that the the online giants in Australia are the seat REAs and, and 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 car sales um, of the markets, and and they started off as classifieds and become much bigger. They just became the consumer go to mm-hmm. for that particular industry when you were looking for cars, looking for homes, or looking for jobs. Yep. That's where the places you go. And now the sort looking, of you know, looking for doctors, dentists, you know, this is where health engine, this is where you go. So that's kind yeah. of the you know, we were positioning ourselves as look, in health, this is where we're gonna be it. And the numbers now, sort of nine years in, you're doing like a million bookings a month or something yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, close to. And That's and incredible. the and the last twelve months, um, we were just looking at our stats and you know, last twelve months three point two million people had booked with us, wow. um, different people, like, you know, had booked oh, with that's us. That's unique, that's unique in booking. Australia. So that's, that's the equivalent of one, one in eight Australians had booked wow. using our system. And, I have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, thank, I've thank used Hellbend and thank it's you. fantastic. <laughs> so you. it's thank one you. of the most yeah. seamless online experiences I've ever encountered. Yeah. Yeah, thank so you. that doesn't surprise me at all. But I've heard you talk it now as being a number one health consumer marketplace beyond just booking of doctor appointments. So what's the vision, I suppose, even further into the future? So, so I think, you know, for, for me, the, 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 the problem that we're trying to solve here is around transparency and access. And, you know, the, the transparency bit was certainly the directory bit where, you know, being able to find um, the right information, whether it's about doctors or about your condition or any of that sort of stuff, you know, transparency is actually really hard in healthcare. It's mm. complex. It's very hard to navigate. So being able to do that is, is you know, one thing. Being able to manage all of your information, you know, is, is a whole other thing. You know, quite often... Um, patients you know, go to doctors, dentists and so on and they have no real clue as to what's happened or, you know, the, where their records are and they can't transfer it, they can't share it, you yeah. know. So, you know, I think, you know, find, finding and managing um, your care in the one place 
um, and be able to connect with all of your healthcare team is actually something that you know we're we're very keen That's to solve. You're working towards yeah. Well, yeah. continue. Con- Continuity, sorry, of care is something I've heard you mention before, and that you're quite passionate about. I suppose from it from a medical perspective, and as a doctor, so is that kind of part of that whole vision there? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you know, the the the, the journey of patients through their you know through their healthcare experience is actually quite fragmented in most mm-hmm. cases, and often, I mean, as a GP, the primary principle of general practice is this idea that the GP is your partner mm-hmm. to help you navigate that. And, you know, they're, they're there to hold your hand, I guess, through your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and the continuity of care bit is around that. Um, the, the problem is, is that there's so many places where you can fragment that care um, and, or, you know, in the silos and you go to the hospital and you lose all visibility of what goes on or if you go to a specialist, sometimes you lose visibility. Mm-hmm. So part of that is just the, look, as a patient, what's the best possible experience we can deliver for you mm-hmm. um, as a technology company that aids you and your doctors to actually deliver the best possible? Mm-hmm. Outcomes, right, and that's kind of the the idea, and a lot of it involves you know understanding the patients and giving them sort of what they need, which is separate from you know maybe another you know different patients yeah. have different wants and needs, and, and you know yeah. absolutely. Well, look, thank you so much for your time, Marcus. We're going to finish off quickly with some uh, rapid fire questions. So the idea is to just answer with whatever comes into your head. Sure. Uh, don't think about it too much. <laughs> so, uh, what would you say is the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? I think I mentioned it already. I think the obvious thing I think most people would say is team. For me, it's actually traction. Um, right. So, you know, most investors will look for traction actually over team. Um, Proof so, that it's solving yeah. a problem. Something's happening. Yeah. Something's growing. Yeah. Okay. Do you believe in insourcing or outsourcing? Uh, again, it, I think it depends. So I would generally insource and keep in, internally all core, core with the stuff. And if you can outsource and get a, you know, either price or whatever, um, get get a similar result um, for non-core stuff, then I would consider that for sure. Mm-hmm. Should a startup self-run, self-fund or raise money? Um, well, again, I think it's both. Um, I think, you know, primarily if a startup can self-fund for as long as possible um, and potentially fund through customers, that's that's <laughs> the best way. Um, but depending on the type of business, um, and in our case, marketplaces are very expensive to fund. And so having external funding is always very helpful. PC or Mac? I'm a Mac guy. Mac guy, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Red or white? Ooh, um, white. There you go. What podcasts, apart from this one, obviously, do you listen to? Um, I mean, I've mentioned Sequoia. Actually, one of the other big VCs in the US um, is a um, uh, VC called Andreessen Horowitz, and they have a podcast called A16Z, which um, or A16Z, like um, <laughs> yeah, and, yep, and um, and they have a. It's just a, like like VCs. They have lots of different topics, right. and you know, it's it's actually quite enlightening. Uh, Masters of Scale from Reid Hoffman's um, the other yes. one. That's, that's come um, up yeah. on most Gem podcasts. Jem and Green mentioned that one. Yeah, yep. and, um, and I think a few people have been mentioning uh, Malcolm Gladwell's, uh, you know, sort revisionist. Of, uh, revisionist history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I've been listening to a few of those. Yeah. Definitely. Well, look, thanks again, Marcus, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, don't forget to give the Startup West podcast a nice review because that helps people to find us and do subscribe uh, so that you get our next podcast in your feed. And we also like to give shout-outs to other local WA podcasts. If you've not already discovered this one, check out WA Real. R-E-A-L W-A Real with Bryn Edwards great interviews with local people doing amazing things absolutely and of course this Startup West podcast is brought to you uh, by Alika thanks Alika my team thanks guys Uh, ECU The Link Think Lab Coworking and Video so until next time thanks guys thanks Marcus thanks thanks